Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. Experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and this week we're having a group discussion. I know everybody's been listening to all the conversations about race and the state of America, so I thought, why not end it with the whole discussion about it? So I guess let's start off with everybody who's in the discussion introducing themselves or where they're from. I guess let's start off. I guess let's start with Aaron first. All right, man. I'm I'm in East Texas, man. So my name's Aaron Bailey. I'm uh, one third of the Bearded Idiots podcast, and we're stationed here in East Texas. Okay, I guess on the screen we'll go. I guess left or the right. So I guess that'll leave Curtis next, right? What's up, everybody? My name's Curtis Harmon. I am one third of the Bearded Idiots podcast, right alongside with Aaron there. Uh, same location. We're, we're in the deep East Texas area. Uh, to my right is my wife. My name is Terry. You up, Derek? Hey, what's up? This is Derek Spinner. Um, one third of the bearded. I'm kidding. I'm not on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the idiot with the beard. Uh, no, I'm Derek Spinner uh, out of Richmond, Virginia. I have a podcast, but I'm not even com- try to promote it because I don't have the time to get that thing up yet. Right now, I'm just too busy. Uh, but it's, I'm glad to be here. But Derek, to his credit, he's probably been on my podcast the most out of everybody. So. That, that's a testament to how, the character of the person he is, honestly. Yeah. Okay, next up, I guess Michael. Oh, I'm next. Uh, in my order, I wasn't next. I wasn't ready. <laughs> uh, so um, this is Michael Aaron. I am four-thirds of that other podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm one half of the What Up Though podcast. This is my first time on Delvin's podcast, so I'm glad to be here. I'm from Detroit. Awesome, awesome. Last but definitely not least, What's up, Otis? Let them know who you are. What up, though? My name is Otis. Um, I'm from Detroit. I'm the other half of the What Up, Though podcast, and this is my first time on the Delvin Cock Experience, so happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. I hope everybody knows who I am by now. I'm Delvin Cox. I'm from Miami, Florida, born and raised. It's good to put a face to your your name. Yeah, definitely. It's likewise, brother, likewise. (laughs) So um, let's start off with asking this first question. Everybody heard all the episodes, right? Most yeah. of them, yeah. Well, got a feel, them, yeah. got a, you got a feel for the concept. Let's just say that. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yep. Okay. So what were your thoughts when you heard the first episode? Lies. Or the first one you listened to, for, for that matter. Lies. You can get lied to, Devin. Okay. 
elaborate on that a little bit more. Wait, so, before you before you before you elaborate, is anybody who was on those episodes on tonight? No, but I guarantee they're listening. Oh, that's cool. Okay, just curious. It didn't matter, but just curious. Okay. I, I was gonna ask that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know that it was, I don't know if it was, maybe I shouldn't say lies that that's just kind of our style on our podcast. It's outlandish, but I don't feel like you got fully honest answers from the majority of people that was on the first episode. It felt like a group of white folks that didn't want to say something that a black man interviewing them wouldn't want to hear. You know, it, it felt like they were scared to give you a true answer. And I, and I felt like they did you some digest, uh, injustice that way. With the exception, I can't think of the guy's name, the the very last person that was on, that, that you interviewed on that particular episode. Uh, I, I feel like he gave you his honest feelings, uh, although he and I would disagree on certain points, but I do feel like he gave you some, some honest answers. I think he's got a lot of answers that people felt like you wanted to hear. Okay, that's... Uh, I think we've we've had a conversation about that, so I'll, I appreciate that answer. I think there is some truth to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it was for for it, it's either they aren't paying attention to what's going on in their lives, or or they're scared to give you an answer. But to to sit in the United States today as a as a white person and tell you to your face that no, they have not got any advantages from that. That's just ignorance. Right. You know what I mean. They're not paying attention to their surroundings. Now, there may not have been somebody come up to them and specifically say, hey, you're getting this job or or you're getting this recognition or you're getting X, whatever X is, because you're white doesn't mean that they're not getting those things because they're white. I agree. Let me move on. Let, let Otis speak on it. Because I know Otis and Michael had some a lot of things to say about it as well. So I'll let you guys go on it next. Yo, I was listening to the, the first that first episode, and I was at a, I, I remember being at a street light, and I started hitting my steering wheel like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's okay. It's okay if we cuss, right? Yeah, this episode is inappropriate. All right, brace okay, yourself. Cool. Um. So I, it was the one guy who kept talking about he was getting like job opportunities, but he was passing up like better opportunities to do like bullshit, like <laughs> the dishes and shit like that. <laughs> and then he was saying how he was struggling, sleeping in cars. It's because you're passing up all the opportunities you have. Oh, like, come on, preach now. Preach to oh, me. Oh, man, it was so fucking infuriating, dude. Like that. He, yeah. he was probably. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't care for a lot of the the answers that a lot of them gave, but he was, he was the worst. Like he didn't even recognize the privilege that he was getting, and he was turning it down. Like he wasn't even a good white person. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I think he was. He was the worst to me. It just he just he just didn't even take advantage of some of the opportunities. He just wanted just the bare minimum, and that was probably the most disturbing. Out of out of the that first that first episode, it was just like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, um, I'm gonna give my opinion, my thoughts on the last. I'm gonna let Michael to go go next. You go ahead and go next, Michael. Oh uh, man, I, I wish I had gotten the opportunity to go a little bit earlier because uh, Curtis and Otis took a lot of what I wanted to say. But um, I am gonna say what Delvin has said throughout all the previous episodes. Good answer. I really, I really think that. <laughs> I really think that Curtis and Otis gave some really good answers, especially Curtis by citing the fact that he felt like people weren't being completely honest. And I don't know if I would take it that far in that I felt like they weren't being honest. I felt like they were unaware. 
like there were probably some people who weren't being completely truthful, but I do think that a lot of times people don't understand the privilege that they have and they don't understand because it's so it's so naturally occurring and it occurs in their lives all day, every day. So unless you see what that other side is like, you don't really know what that privilege feels like because it feels like the norm. And I think right. that a lot of people were not really cognizant of that. But like Otis was saying, like that first guy, he, <laughs> I was listening to that. Actually, uh, Otis gave me homework after our podcast. He was like, hey, go listen to uh, that one episode of Delvin's podcast. I'm like, man, you just gave me homework and shit. But <laughs> I was listening to it on the way over to his crib to record our podcast. And uh, yeah, I, I picked it up once I got to his house. And I was like, man, this is crazy, man. Like that, the one guy that Otis was talking about, like, and I'm sure I'm sure he's probably listening, man. I don't want to like shit on you completely, bro. But like. Yeah, he said a lot of wild shit. And that was one thing I like to say is that <laughs> if you a white dude and you purposely spend a lot of time doing dishes, like washing dishes professionally, <laughs> you're squandering your whiteness. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. So true. All right. Let's move. Let, let, let's Aaron. Aaron, did you hear the episode? Uh, no, I didn't listen to the first episode, but um, y'all's answers are great. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine... Uh, this white man passing up every job opportunity in the world, telling me, telling somebody he's sleeping in in his car. I mean, come on now. Yeah. I think he yeah. looked at it as like a credibility thing. Like, yo, I slept in my car. Yeah. I know what it's like to live hard. But yeah, it, but you didn't like, have to. His whole thing. Exactly. So from my, throughout his whole story, it sounded like he was doing it by choice. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that yeah. person is like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. And it's like, <laughs> I've experienced the struggle. I've lived in my car. You know, I went outside from my parents' house and I slept in the car just to see what it was like. Yeah, it's it's like he, just, he wanted some some weird street cred that he really didn't need for that episode. Like it was just it was it was it was it was almost uncomfortable. I just felt like he was just not he wasn't reaching. I felt like I, I wanted to be an older brother to him. Like, man, you could do better than this, man. Like, you know, he just, he, he, he was just, he was, it was, it was kind of disappointing, man. It just, he just didn't have like, aside from just any white or black uh, thing, he just didn't seem like he had any, any goals, aspirations. He was just wanted to be the bare minimum. And that was it. Yeah. He probably, he probably, uh, with that white privilege, he probably had a full tank of gas. He was running the AC and the heat all night in the car. He ran out of gas. He go get some more gas. That's how, that's how rough it was on him. Oh man, I'm so sorry, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm sure he's hearing me now. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, man. Hey, sometimes the truth hurts. You know, um, I, I don't know many people, white, black, or whatever, that's going to pass up an opportunity that's going to benefit them, you know, to move on and, and live a better life. But you choose to sleep in your car. First of all, nobody chooses outright to sleep into your car. That's just some shit that happened to you. Something didn't happen right in your life. And that's the way you end up. You don't choose that path. So if he chose to not, you know, take opportunities, that's on him. That's like somebody saying to you, I'm going to give you a, a four-year ride to a university of your choice, and you go, nah, I'd rather just go on to community college. Like, why in the hell, why not take advantage of something somebody's going to offer you, you know? Hey, hey my man, Derek, I don't want to interrupt you, but what are you doing with your camera, bro? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, it's straight, it kept moving. Oh, every, it wasn't. It just kept moving every time you Oh, going. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just got out of work, so I'm still at work. I'm it's, I'm doing this on my uh on my cell phone, so oh, sorry, I moved my hand a lot when I thought he was on a roller coaster. 
My bad. My bad. I apologize. You know you you're in the middle of an earthquake, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. First joke, man, you guys. All right. All right. I deserve that. I'm sorry. I'll put my phone. I'll try to mount this so y'all can. It'll be still for you. Um, But yeah, I I just, I I don't know, man. I, I listened to it and. I I wanted to feel some sympathy for him because he was like I don't know what he was trying to trying to do. Hey, like, man, it was hard, bro. I I I I felt it hard to try to feel some sympathy for him. Real hard. I mean, I I, I tried to give someone the the benefit of the doubt. That's just the way I am. And at some point, you have to go. Nah, you were just stupid. <laughs> you know, I, that's that's the only way I can look at it. Um, and, but I, I tried to feel some sympathy. I okay. You wanted to pass up an opportunity. I don't know what your goal was or your end game, but if you passing up stuff and you end up sleeping in your car, that's just being stupid. You know, you just you did that to yourself. So I don't know. And I feel like the probably the majority of him, you know, saying all of those things, trying like you said to earn some kind of some kind of street cred that he didn't need to 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 get to gain from anybody. It was. Rather than saying, "Hey, yeah, I have, I've had all of these other things that that have that have been awesome," he, he, it's like he wanted Delvin to know that, "Hey, white people got struggles too." Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, he came about it in the wrong direction. Maybe his heart was in the right place, but I was going to say, I, you're I, trying I, to say I, that white people don't have struggles. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, hey, you know me, oh. you know me. <laughs> I, I don't know what street the street cred with this gets you, but that ain't no damn street cred for me. Nah. That, that's just you know plain stupid. Right. Well, let's get the thoughts of the only woman on the panel. What did you think about it when you heard any of it? Well, I got frustrated pretty much for the same reasons, um, you know, because I felt like it wasn't honest. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, people have struggles and, you know, people lose jobs and end up in their car and all that. But I agree on this particular fella. It was like he was absolutely trying to almost impress you. And I think in the process, he did a major disservice to the uh, the message that you're trying to get out. Makes sense. Let me give you my thoughts on it real quick. Recording these episodes was one of the hardest things I've ever did because. When I first started it, my whole thought was I want to be as impartial as possible. So I don't want to kind of answer, like cut people off with it because I didn't want them to shut down. So when I was listening to somebody, some people's answers in my head, I'm like, really? That's what you think? But, but I didn't want to say it. So I'm like, oh, good answer. Good answer. That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like your uh, your what the fuck was really good answer. Good answer, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, some cases it, it definitely was that because you know, like I said, I didn't want to cut people off. I wanted people to have their voices heard, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting my opinions on them because when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're expressing how you feel about things, sometimes. Your opinion becomes theirs because they don't, either they shut down or they just don't want to argue no more. So they're like, ah, oh, whatever. I agree with you. Well, no, I mean, I think you did a I think you did a real good job with that. I mean, I think initially 
you know, I kept wondering, like, you know, why is he, you know, not saying anything? Like, what the hell? But I, I, I totally got it. You know, if you, and especially with a sensitive subject of racial race relations and, you know, white privilege and just things of that nature, you know, you it's sensitive, so you don't want to skew anyone's, you know, opinion. So, I mean, you held it in as better than I could have. So, you know, that was definitely a gift that you had because I think I probably would have cut into some other stuff. So, you know, I definitely yeah. applaud your efforts. You definitely have uh, brought a, a, a good subject and brought good opinions, whether we like them or not. So, you know, a lot of people can, you know, hear different views and so forth. Yeah. Okay, let me ask everybody this question. And I asked this on the podcast. I thought it would be appropriate to ask everybody this question. From left to right, we'll answer it Um. What's the proudest you've ever been of America? All right. You're going to have to call out the left or right, but I guess okay. it's Aaron first. My, okay, my, my camera shows Aaron first. Okay. What was the question again? What's the proudest you've ever been of America? The proudest I've ever been of America. Man. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I, you know, uh, September 11th happened. Everybody, band, everybody banded together. <laughs> Everybody was American, yeah. at least for a week, you know, yeah. or two, or however long it yeah. lasted, you know, and yeah. then it just went back to shit. <laughs> everybody's trying to fight, and everybody's got a different opinion, and if your opinion's not my opinion, you're wrong, and I'm wrong, and I mean, it's just so much hate, man, so much hate. That's an interesting answer, because a lot of people gave that answer. I didn't expect that answer really? to come from such tragedy. Now, I, I can feel that for a little bit, because I remember after 9-11 happened, I was working at a restaurant at the time. Well, not really a restaurant. I just it was a um, Einstein Bagels. I was a manager there. And I remember the night of the day of 9-11, I worked at Coral Gables. And Coral Gables is like the business district. And it's always crowded and stuff. It almost looks like it has like a New York type feel to it because of the people that's in the streets. And it was dead silent. It looked like The Walking Dead. Mm. Like, how, like an abandoned city. Now, I will never forget that moment ever in my life and I remember the next I want to say the next week people had a different personality about things people came in the job a lot more kinder and polite because I don't know if it was politeness or just somberness because they felt like before that time everybody kind of lived in this bubble and felt like we couldn't be attacked and once that happened I think it was a lot of fear that was in people's minds at that time so they were kind of a little somber people were still looking for their families at the time so it, I don't know. It was an interesting vibe. But Curtis, you and your wife can go next. Okay. Hey, hey, hey uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Curtis. I just want to make a request real quick because I, I want to put a little bit of perspective into the 9-11 thing. Can everybody say like where they were as in like position in the country, like as in like location in the country? Sorry. Yeah, and like how old you exactly were, like that kind yeah. of stuff, like how old you were, just so I can get an idea of what that time was like for you. Because it's like if somebody is like, yeah, I was seven. It's like, okay, well, I don't care what you thought. So, like, you know, no, I want an idea of, of uh, yeah, just give me an idea, like, how old you were and where you were at in the country, what you were doing in life. That's a good uh, point. I was 21. And, Terry, you don't have to answer the age part. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was yeah. trying to do the math. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing. Um, I see 01, that's 17 years ago. I would have been – I was 20. I was 21. Okay. We were the same age. I was uh, – I was, I was an electrician and I was actually in the supply house getting supplies to go do my job that morning. And it came on the news and I was like, no way, man. And then we got in the car or the truck to go to the job site. And uh, that's when we heard about the second tower getting hit. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was 20 and I was, you know, I was in East Texas, of course. I've lived here the majority of my life. And I was actually in a classroom doing some uh some prep work for a, a course that I was about to take. And the the instructor of that class was a I mean, he's just a real hard ass. He's just an old school dude. And you know, there was no cutting up, there was no interrupting, there was nothing. And matter of fact, he had gotten thoroughly irritated and like straight up cussed out a couple of people when they walked into his classroom earlier in that in that course and somebody come through the door and he turned at them you know to, to start giving them the third degree and they were like hey everybody here needs to go home there's some shit going down everybody needs to everybody needs to get out of here so everybody filed to the house and turned on the news and then you know the days and weeks to come were what they were but you know being in a small town in east texas i mean you feel helpless you know you feel like it happened closer to us than it ever had but it also seems so damn far away you know, you, you wanted to help that that drive that, you know, you wanted to provide some sort of assistance. But, I mean, your your hands are tied being, you know, as far away as you were. Yeah. I guess you're next, Terry. Wait, <laughs> he, he didn't answer the proudest he was of America. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the most oh, important yeah. part. <laughs> okay, so I'm the new host. As I was listening through the episodes, I mean, that was a lot of people's answer. And I feel like that's a I feel like that's an honest answer for people now, you know. But for me, the proudest that I am of this country is every single time there's a swearing in of a president, regardless of who he is, because that's a peaceful exchange of power. And we're one of the few countries that that happens in without some sort of significant death. So every time we have a swearing in of a president, I'm very proud of this country that whether you're transitioning to a power and a president that you agree with or not, it was a peaceful transition. So every four, eight years, I get to be very proud of this country. That's a good point because it's, it's Venezuela's having the problem with that now, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and that's not a good scenario to I mean, be there's in. There's more but countries for- in the world that don't have peaceful exchange of power than there are that do. You know, and the ones that do are usually the superpowers. So you know who they are. You don't even recognize the fact that every single time there's a change of power in their country, that it's usually a nightmare to deal with. So I, I, get, I get to be proud, you know, every every four years. OK, that makes sense. So, um, you know, I'm not as quite as deep as Curtis is on all that. Um, I would probably go back to 9-11. Um, I was 20 at the time and living in central Texas as a stay at home mom. And um, I just turned on the TV and there it was. So um, yeah, the only other time that I, I I directly experienced the Oklahoma city um, bombing. And I would say that, that it was basically the same thing. You know, people showed up that didn't have to show up to try and help people help find people, um, and that was something that made me proud, not just of myself, but to be able to see people come together and help each other in, in firsthand experience. So anytime that that we can come together uh, to help others who need it, I think that's that's when I'm most proud. Excellent. Answer. All right, Derek, I think you're next. Oh, um, going with everybody else to 9-11. Um, at the time, I was 34, maybe. Um I remember that day. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm the old head. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was just about to say, man, we was all the same age. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking, but he's old, older than us. By, by yeah. Um, but I remember I, I used to work at um, Office Office Depot, Office Max, and I had worked overnight and got off work. Took my son, uh, my son who was really little, then took him to daycare. Came home and had bought this really huge computer desk. So I said, well, you know, I'm going to spend the morning, stay up and, you know, put this thing together, get this big box off the floor. Because my wife was like, well, you going to put that thing together. Uh, so I was putting that together and I said, well, you know, let me turn the TV on, have some background noise. And, uh, you know, I, let me see what's going on. Let me turn on, you know, it's this old Regis and Kelly or Regis and Kathy Lee, one of the two. And whoever was hosting with Regis. Um, and the show wasn't on. They were talking about, you know, who was on ABC or whatever. Um, where I'm like, what the hell is the news still doing? You know, the Today Show, whatever, whatever one was on. And they were saying that a plane that hit the uh, World Trade Center. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking it's one of these little small little private Buddy Holly killer type planes. You know, the little small where you have to, you know, seek three or four people. And then, you know kind of concerned because I'm like, well, damn, a plane hit the world. Like, how the hell do you do that? It's a big-ass building. So, sitting there watching it, pulling stuff out of the box, and uh, some reporter is calling in to whatever studio uh, that I was watching, and you saw the second plane hit the tower alive, and I was freaking out because I'm like, well, damn, you know, that's, like, not normal, you know? Like, and then, uh, you know, as the day goes on, you realize this is a terrorist attack. So, um, for me, it was it was rough because my mom had died literally a month before that. So still trying to get over that, settle stuff with her house, and um, you know, it, I don't know. I had to go pick my son up from school because the daycare was closing, and you know, it was just a it was a crazy day. Um, so that's where I was, and that was my thoughts on it. And I think at that point things in the country started to change more to where they are now. Um, because a lot of people, I think, hated George Bush. Um, I gonna say hate. They strongly disliked him uh, for the way that he handled everything when, it, when the things started happening right around that time, like after the tower was hit and fell, even though he went to New York and said, you know, the people who – uh are responsible for this they're gonna pay now they're gonna hear us um uh, but i think the country started to shift um a great deal after that because the people started hating muslims and even to this day even with our current president still has this fear that he put in people about muslims and i think that people because of their religion or because of their race um people are afraid like mexicans people are afraid you know, and you can say things about one person, but the way that you say it, it makes people fear everyone who's Muslim or Mexican or black or whatever the case may be. Okay, well, was you that never the gave the, in America? The, yeah, you didn't get the proudest moment yet. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Nine eleven, when everybody after that moment, everybody yeah, that. that was his. Yeah, oh, for the yeah, week. it for was the uh, yeah so. that. I mean, actually, I think it was longer than that because I think people were doing things. Um, like restaurants were, you know, taking care of people that out looking for their loved ones and didn't know where they were providing food and providing coffee. So I think at that time, 
um, people were coming together as a whole. Um, and I think it was good because we weren't, you know, bickering and fighting. It was like a, a real concern about what had happened. And, you know, some, you lose somebody in the building, you don't know if they're alive or dead. You, you know, you get hysterical, you, you worry. So I think that was the, the proudest from what I can remember. Okay. Okay. Mike, give your answer then. All right. So I'm going to start with the, my uh, 9-11 request. So um, 9-11, I was 19, about to be 20. So I'm the youngest of us, but barely. Um, I was in college at the time. Uh, I was going into our student center at our campus and all that was going down on the TVs. I was walking by. I saw a whole bunch of people crowd around the TV. And I saw, you know, I saw everything was going on. I hung out there for probably at that point, probably like an hour, hour, two, hour, two hours, something like that. Because as, as the day progressed, can't, classes started to cancel. So I had that availability to kind of hang out and watch TV. Um, oh, and I was I was in Detroit at the time. So um, that's my my brief 9-11 background to answer the question about the proudest I've ever been of America. Um, Derek kind of touched on why 9-11 is not my answer. So from my perspective, I felt like 9-11, all of the all of the camaraderie that uh, everyone says about how the country came together after 9-11. From my perspective, I felt like it was kind of concentrated within New York. Plus, I felt like that was the narrative that was that was preached upon preached on TV. Like you get Giuliani up on up on you know a podium or on camera and he go, Yeah, everybody's coming together, everybody's doing all this great stuff. We got the firefighters doing this, we got the police doing that, and everything was like within New York really solid. Everybody was doing everything they could to come together. But at the same time, I was seeing a lot of that um that Muslim hatred. And that really bothered me seeing like that because that was I feel like was the start of when uh, this country got a little bit more comfortable with openly not necessarily hating a certain group of people, but with expressing prejudice against a certain group of people. And I saw that start after 9-11 and it's built up progressively up until this very day. Uh, My answer to. Um, the proudest I've been of America. I have uh, very, very, very few instances of this, but I was the proudest of America um, after Barack Obama got elected, just because for me as a black man to see uh, a black man become president, I, I didn't think I'd ever see it. And I didn't think it was possible at the time. I was living in California. I lived in California for just for just two years. And in 2008, I was living in California and um I don't know. I, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't think it was going to happen. I watched him go from just a senator who was involved in the process and build up that steam and build up that uh, that following. And to see that actually come to fruition was completely mind blowing for me. And even now, uh, 11 years later, as a black man in corporate America, I still to this day don't see who many people who look like me in the positions that I'm in or in positions of power above me. I don't see it. So like 11 years ago to see a black man reach the apex of, 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 I don't say of power. Cause that makes it sound trivial, but like to reach that level um, was, was mind blowing to me, but, and I'm not going to go into this too much unless Delvin brings this question up. That was also the start of when I was the least proud of America. So it 
it transitions. But at, to answer the question, that was the time when I was the most proud because I saw something that I never thought I'd see. And to me, it signified a turn in this country that I thought was going to happen, but ultimately didn't. All right, Otis, I think you're next up, then. And I All right, an uncomfortable silence for a minute there. No, no, I was, I was thinking, because I, I have something to say about that, but I, I was thinking I'll let, I'll let Otis go first, though. Um, 9-11, I was 21, part-time gig. I was Actually, I was at home late for work, and, you know, I think like someone else said, you know, you thought it was like a small prop plane or something that hit the building, and then next thing you know, you know, it, it was what it was, and so... um. That was, you know, uh, during the time that I, that that happened, um, and I have mixed reviews about that. It, and I, actually, I can't have mixed reviews about what people felt was a proud moment. But like Mike said, you know that, you know, possibly being in New York, maybe, but I didn't see any, you know, uh, great, you know, come togetherness when that happened. You know, I mean, being in Detroit, we 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 border the the next biggest concentration of Arab Americans in the country outside of us, you know, being Dearborn. So there was a lot of hatred around us because of, you know, people assuming that all Arabs are Arab Americans are Muslim and, you know, Muslims are the cause for all of this and so forth. So I didn't see a lot of that. You know, I, I, I've heard that, that response in, you know, in passing before, but that was definitely not the feeling that I, I saw around here. Um, and that's not my proudest moment. Um, um, with Mike, my proudest moment was definitely Barack being um, um, elected president. You know, it's one of those things where you know, as you, as, as a kid, you know, you tell you tell your kids, you know, you could be anything you want. You could be a fireman, policeman, and you know, if you were a white boy, you could say you could be president one day. But that was definitely not one of the things as a black child you can be. So, you know, him him doing that and thinking and that's probably never going to happen again. <laughs> um, that was definitely a more prouder moment um, to me than I, than I've seen. And probably like Mike, you know, I, I haven't seen too many proud moments in our country. Um, so that was definitely probably one of the few. So. Okay. Okay. Well, my answer is um when Barack got elected for many different reasons. One of the reasons is the fact that um. I remember before he got elected, this country was going through some stuff. Like, if you guys remember, gas prices was like almost $6 in some places. People was not happy. Our president at the time, as, as now people look at Bush kind of like, um, how, how do you describe it? Like, He's a grandpa now. Yeah, a gra- they have, yeah, they have that grandpa type love for him. But back then, people hated Bush's guts. And people won't admit to it now, but it's almost I will very similar. <laughs> <laughs> almost I, I said strongly dislike. <laughs> That's yeah. what I meant when yeah. I said strongly dislike. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost uh, almost like how people hated Trump, almost, but not to that degree, of course. But people hated Bush, and it got to the point where the country just wanted something different. And for for this country knowing the history of this country to say, you know what? Let's give this African-American person a shot and see what he can do. And for the most part, even though Barack got a lot of flack, I'm not going to, I'm going to call a spade a spade. He got a lot of flack while he was in office. He got it. But I don't think that was the majority of people. I think 
that shows a lot of growth in this country to and the fact that not only the fact that he got flack, but the fact that now today people look at it as a, most people for that most part look at it as a positive experience. It's not like he left office and people were like, we're glad you're going. For the most part, people were very positive about it, even though Trump got an office. I don't think that's a reflection of what Barack did. It's more of a reflection of the state of America today because we are so divided. And it's just interesting how that kind of turned out in terms of how you have one president come in in Barack and it's the start of an era. And then another president come in and completely change the era because I felt like the country got more diverse in that time when Barack was in office. You started seeing more people of color and different type, types of atmospheres in terms of movies, films. And I think it's cool to see that. Even now you're starting to see that diversity in the country, even though we can say, yeah, Trump's doing this, Trump's doing that. But you're still seeing the effects of Obama and seeing the effects of the diversity that he brought to the table. Word, man. Um, I, I agree yeah. with you. Except except for when you called Barack Obama a spade. I feel like that was kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, us, why, us, why, us why people can't say that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Look, I, wanted, I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to call him out on it. I was like, man, I'm going to go. Like, I know you're the host and all, but damn, dog. <laughs> I'm going to call somebody's that spade gonna, a spade. <laughs> somebody's going to just take that part out. <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think it's racist. Listen to this. <laughs> I think it's funny though, you know, the way you know, listening to y'all talk about all that stuff. It's to me, it it, it, come, it very much comes across as uh, I feel like people's the the way people view things a lot of times is it, it's it's their surroundings, it's where they come from. You know, it's one of the questions you ask. How do you feel like the environment that you grew up in? How does it how's it developed you as a person? I think that's a huge part of it because I believe if you come from a heavy uh like a white area, okay, your, your feelings are different than if you come from a place that's like, I think you had one of the gentlemen that was on your on your podcast, he was like, almost everybody that was around me was black. I hardly ever saw white people, you know, so his perspective is going to be based off of that. And then you, you've had some some people on that's like, well, where I, where I was at, it was a little bit of everybody. And they seem to be a little bit more open to, yeah, I didn't really, I don't really care for Trump but I don't hate him. You know what I mean? So I think as a, when, when like, you know, for, for, for black folks, when Brock got elected, it was a joyful moment. And I feel like it would have probably been a joyful moment regardless of his politics. And that's justifiable. You know what I mean? There, there's nothing wrong with just being proud that somebody of, of your color is in a power position where you never thought that was going to happen. Uh, but I believe that a lot of people were just proud that it was a black man in office rather than a powerful leader in office. Not to say that he wasn't a good leader. There was a lot of things about Barack Obama that I enjoyed. I love the fact that that was the coolest motherfucker you ever meet. He stayed <laughs> level full time. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he never seemed to get too hot. He never seemed to get too cold. He just kept everything was on, on an even plane. And I appreciated that about a leader of our country because I don't think you need somebody like a Donald Trump. In our in leading our country, that's a that's a fucking hothead. 
You know what I'm saying? Amen. I don't think that's Christ. I don't yeah. think that's good. I don't I don't think that's good optics for us. But I also don't think you need some weak motherfucker running the country either. I agree you know, that's so it's um I, I believe that as a president, he was he was hard to attack because you liked him. Whether you agree with him or disagree with him, you like the guy. We don't have that now. You either love this dude that's sitting in the, in the White House or you hate his guts. There, there doesn't seem to be very, a whole lot of people sitting in that middle ground. I, I, I definitely <laughs> agree. Um, I, I, I know. I, I think during that, his first term, I think I, I would take it personal the shots against Obama. Like I felt like it was me, you know what I mean? And it right. was just because it was just a black man. And so it took like the second turn to say, you know what? Some things may not be working out as well as I, you know, they should, and things of that nature. So it took a while to get critical for me to, for me personally, be critical. But you know, I, I remember hearing stuff, and I'd just be ready to fight. Like that was my uncle up there, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. you know, it took a while to be critical. But it was just one of those things that just be was totally thrilled to see, like I say, someone uh, that looked like me that can do something, you know, like that, you know, but I don't know if we're going to touch on our current presidency. If so, if we will, I'll hold off on comments. Well, since we already opened it up, let's, t- let's open it up right now. So I guess let's go right to left. Let's start with you, Otis. What are your um, thoughts on Trump? <laughs> I don't really have much nice to say. Uh, I think my biggest complaint lately is as I was filing my taxes and trying to figure out why the hell do I owe this year? Um, but I, Aside from that, I just feel like from the time that he got elected, it just seemed like there's been this plethora of like of hate, dude. It's like ridiculous, dude. Like I've never seen so many pro MAGA people with so 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 vocal. You know what I mean? Like I've never seen it in any presidency that I can recall, and it's just been so rampant. I like you know I didn't. I that's just one of the most uh, things that stick out for me, like it's just been s- s- so many instances of of people who claim to support are just really just fucked up people, you know. And so that's probably been my my biggest uh, biggest observation. Okay, you go next, Mike. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, uh, so like I mentioned earlier, Barack Obama's election was kind of the start of for me, like my decline in my opinion of this country. And again, going back to, to that time I was living in California and I was in a, I wasn't in a white area, but I was definitely in a non-black area. It was mainly like white folks and uh, Mexicans. And as soon as he got elected, I started to see a shift in how people behaved. And it's, it's, it was, it was actually a, uh, uh, I guess a lighter version of the way things are now. And as his term progressed, I started to see it more and more. And to bring that full circle to Trump, I, my biggest issue with Trump, well, (laughs) I I have a lot, so it's hard for me to choose the biggest issue, but one of the biggest issues is the fact that he has emboldened hateful people. Hateful people feel way more free with vocalizing their hatred and acting on it. Like you look at all the videos you see of people uh, shouting the N word at people uh, on video, like they don't care. And the, the, the fact that a president, somebody who is in the highest position in this country and, and pretty much the highest position in this world, as president of the United States is so hateful that people in this country 
can feel perfectly fine with expressing hatred on video and not care like that that has been mind blowing to me like that's that's really been off putting and then i also don't like the fact that i feel like he lies about things like okay we all know that he lies i mean th there's fact checks after everything there's articles and podcasts about okay he just spoke last night let's cite all of the things that he said that we can poke holes in but he will lie so brazenly about things that are easily verified as false like this is the kind of guy who will go to burger king and have a whopper and then the next day say hey how was that whopper i was in that burger king i don't eat there their food is garbage and it's like you were just there yesterday we saw you on tmz like what are you talking about and he does that kind of shit like he will lie about things that you can like I don't know, go outside and verify is false. And a lot of that, I think, ties into his narcissism. I think that he thinks that he's so smart and that he's so great at being president that he can make shit up, like completely pull it out of thin air and no one will know it. And he gets called out on it all the time and it's somehow allowed to continue. And I don't understand how that is. <clears throat> and the fact that he can lie about things that are so easily verified as false is one of the things that few people talk about because they talk about the lies but they don't talk about how how brazen the lies are is one of the things that i hate about him the most i'm, I'm sorry derek i'm very free with using the word hate i know you said strongly dislike same thing to me buddy <laughs> yeah, no, that's, cool. that's cool uh yeah. so yeah uh that's that's what i think that's one of the many many things i hate about him but um i think that he's brought out the worst in this country but i don't think he is uh i don't think he's an anomaly i think he you know people say like he doesn't represent this country and i think to a large degree he does i think he represents this country how this country truly is but this country is also cognizant of the fact that they can't openly be that way and the fact that he's emboldened people to behave in that way is bringing it out but i feel like it's always existed and i had that theory when I started to see it, once Barack Obama got elected, because my feeling was like like people were taken aback, like, wow, we've been holding all of our hatred and animosity in all this time. And now there's this black guy who's president. He's doing all of these crazy things. And we allowed this by keeping all these feelings to ourselves. And then as, as Obama's eight years progressed, they got more and more emboldened and more and more brazen with the hatred. And then that's how we ended up with Trump. And now that's why now that he's in power, now those same people who were prior to Obama holding it in during Obama, letting it letting it loose. And now during Trump being free with it, I feel like that has been the decline of this country. But I also don't think that this is I don't think this is some sort of unique set of circumstances. I think this is largely and this is what troubles me about this country. I I feel that this is kind of how this country is and i don't think we can get over it until we acknowledge and accept it and then we can have conversations like the conversations that delvin's tried to have on his podcast to where we can try to reach common ground have these conversations and figure out where other people are coming from we can try to get over that but currently i think that we're in a position right now where people are just they feel free with their hatred and it's just completely loose right now you got police killing guys you got um all kinds of craziness going on and it's widely accepted and for me every day i feel so much 
I think I don't even think disappointment is a strong enough word. Like I, I feel remorse, depression, sadness over the fact that I feel like I live in a place where as someone who I, I'm an atheist, right? I feel like as someone who is an atheist and atheists are largely looked at as people who are like amoral. I feel like as someone who's an atheist and is considered to be immoral, I feel like my high standard of moral and values is unique to this country right now. I, I don't feel I look around and I see people behaving in this way. And I'm like, this is the country that I live in, like where people can just do these types of things and hate, hate other people just for looking the way they look. And that's where this president put us in a position where they can do that. And I, I, I just, I, I wonder how someone who is uh, part of a group that is largely looked down upon for being, you know, like, hey, you don't, you're not religious. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm someone who looks at a lot of other people like, how can you treat other people so shitty? And that's that's my long version of how disappointed I am in this country. Okay, I like that. I like that. Space. Now, do you really like it, or is that just your answer for when you're no, trying like, to say I like, I like, no, <laughs> not trying I to argue. that because I like your blatant honesty, and I think that's refreshing to hear because. Oh, you ain't like going to get got... nothing but that from me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's good that you, let's just cut through the bullshit and be honest about things, and that's what we yes, kind of need. That's what this is about. Yep. All right, Derek, you'll go. Um... Tagging on what Michael has said, I live about 45, 50 minutes east of Charlottesville. So we all know what happened in Charlottesville. And I, to give you an idea of how I feel about Donald Trump, he had an opportunity to say, you know, you can protest or whatever. But when you get to the point where you're going to run somebody over or run a group of people over in your car, and you don't denounce, you know, skinheads and Aryan Nation and all these guys with the, the, you know, the swastikas and all of that. When you don't say anything about that, you don't denounce it. You don't you try to say, you know, we're a better country than this. And we are we in Americans. We have to look out for each other. When you go and you basically like kind of. <sighs> What's the word I'm looking for? You kind of put them on a like a pedestal almost. Like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not going to denounce that. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. They have their rights, but I don't know. Um, you said good people on both sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you speak to, when you say that, a person who has some morals would go like, you know what, come on now. That's no. But... Donald Trump has every day I get up and, you know, I try not to watch the morning news because I know he doesn't send out some kind of tweet of lies or something stupid that he said. Um, I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at the people that actually elected him and not so much the electoral college, but the amount of people that elected him. That's what I'm probably more sad at uh, about more than anything. Um, the Charlottesville thing sticks in my craw because it's, of course, Virginia doesn't need that. We don't, we don't need anything else crazy, but I know this happened a while ago. But it, people still have not, um, what can I say? 
you see these pockets of people coming up uh, with videos where people are doing the thing that they used to do in Germany with Hitler, the Hail Hitler thing. Um, And people don't understand the history of of killing Jews and all of that. And I don't know, man, I'm frustrated. I I just hate talking about, honestly, I hate talking about Donald Trump because it, it brings up so much bad things about how in the direction this country is going. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, you got me. You got me angry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Right. Curtis and Terry, you go. You guys go next. My primary feelings on the state of our current president is I can't care. It's one of the things that I. I was at the time I was a younger man and I was, uh, I was against Barack Obama's politics. I did not want him to get elected. I felt like he was going to drive the country into the ground. It was going to be bad for everybody. You know, I was one of those guys that just, no, this is going to be the biggest mistake the United States has ever made. And I matured as a, as a, as a, as a man during his, during his presidency. And one of the things that I came to learn is, is that position really isn't as powerful as most people think it is. All right. Where the real power in this country lies is in the Senate in the house that that's where things get done and where the not only that but people like donald trump that aren't in politics the oligarchs of this country so the man that's sitting in the white house yes he represents us as a country and he has authority of course but i don't lean as much on giving too much of a shit about who's sitting in the white house anymore as, as where my concern my concerns lie are all of the other elected officials in Washington. That, that to me, is our central issue. So he does things that sometimes I look at him and go, I'm really, this is the kind of shit I would do if I was president, and I'm not qualified to be president. You know. And then there's other things that he does. It's like, well, shit, I would have never thought to do that, and that makes sense to me. But as a general feel for him as a president, I'm not real proud of him as a president, Okay. But I haven't necessarily been like super proud of the last three or four, really. You know, so for me, I'm, I got a different perspective. I don't think as I look back on the previous presidencies and the one that's there now, I don't lend too much of a give a shit as to that particular person. I realize they steer the conversation, uh, but that, you know, that, that's why we have all the branches of government. I believe it's the, 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 the onus on the other branches to offset him. That's why it's there. Okay. Uh, I I don't mean to cut you off, but see, I have a different perspective because I remember when Bill Clinton was in office and I remember when he left office, how the tree was. It wasn't um, it wasn't on a decline, but it was in a a, a different state. And then Bush came into office. And then next thing you know, we're in all these wars. We had 9-11. We had a whole lot of other things. We also had a country that was um, damn near at uh, the Great Depression level. Um, anybody remember the, sorry. The Great Depression? No. I don't remember the Great Depression. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant like, no, I meant that the, the, you know, you had the mortgage prices, you had the car companies going, you had the Wall Street shit. Yeah, um, I all that. Yeah. So I worked, I can personally tell you this. I worked for a mortgage company. And I saw, or I knew about thousands and thousands of people who were losing their homes. And the government couldn't do shit about it. 
And part of that was because of George Bush, the way he let the uh, the big banks, the let them run wild. They were out there borrowing money from the government um, and had no way to pay them back. They were just trying to get paid. So to see Barack come in and fix all of this shit in eight years. And he needed really another four to get us back to where we were when Clinton left office because we were in such a, a fucking crisis. I mean, it was like having your transmission and your tires go flat, your engine blowing up in your car and you're on the side of the road. And then you, the people are passing you by. And then all of a sudden a guy comes by with a tow truck and say, you know what? I'm going to tow your truck back to the, to my auto shop and I'm going to fix it all for free. You have your car back in a couple of weeks. It was that kind of thing that when Barack took over, that he fixed everything that George Bush had fucked up. But I'm at the point now I can appreciate George Bush looking at the way Donald Trump is, you know, not saying that he's ruining the country financially. At least we haven't discovered that yet, but the other shit that's going on with him. Um, but I mean, say Barack, Barack saved this country. Like people don't understand how fucked up everything was. I mean, you look at all the, uh, car companies, auto dealerships, they were, in, they were in trouble. They were in bad. He bailed them out. People got pissed off. You know, people would have been, you would have more people unemployed if he hadn't stepped in. He fixed Wall Street, fixed the housing, the mortgage crisis, fixed all of that. So I appreciate Barack stepping in and not saying that he was an expert in everything, but he found the best minds in every type of, you know, area that he wasn't strong in. He found somebody who was the best minds in each one of those areas to say, here's the best way to get up out of this, this mess that we're in. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that because people kind of forget, I, I want to say a short-sighted memory that this country was in bad shape when Barack took it over. But I want to, before, like I said, I want to get into that right now. I want to get more into what Curtis was saying earlier. You were saying that you wasn't feeling the last three presidents. I want to know what's that like? In terms of like, how did you feel like, and what made you say mm, these last three? I'm not feeling whatsoever. Basically, what were the last ones you actually kind of thought you you like to agree with? I mean, you know, obviously, when I was born, Reagan was president, and 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 in my little part of the world, that he was the greatest guy that ever walked the face of the earth. You know, because but I come from a very heavily Christian family. And that's how he got elected was, you know, through the Christian vote. So he was the greatest guy that ever lived and, you know, all that. And then I didn't, you know, as I was, as I was young, then you had, you know, the Clinton era and the, the George senior era. And I really didn't give a shit about politics then, you know, so the only time I really actually paid attention to any kind of politics was really when Bush and really, only reason I paid attention to politics at all is because of 9-11, the things that were going on with 9-11. How are we going to react as a country to this? And you look to your your president to to lead that way. And I felt like he had the right place in his heart of, if you come kick in my door, there's got to be a consequence for that. I felt like the people that he had around him took him to the wrong door to knock on. Yeah. You know, so... I felt like his heart was in the right place, but it just got drove into a wrong direction by, by the people around him. So there was things about his presidency that I enjoyed. You know, I love the fact that he was from Texas, obviously, 
you know, I love the swagger that he had. I, I appreciated that. You know, and a lot of his views and and the way he wanted to lead the country, I agreed with. But I wasn't like a, I, I wasn't just super proud of of what he was doing with the the war conflict. So that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. And then you follow that up with, you know, uh, Barack Obama. And like I said, I didn't really, I don't, I didn't. Really, at the at the at the onset, I hated the guy. You know, I thought he was going to be the worst thing in the world because in my little niche that I lived in right then, it was Fox News all day every day. So that's all you heard was how if this guy gets elected, it's going to be the end of America as we know it. And then he comes in and it's like, well, shit. Yeah, things are, you know, things are getting better. But, you know, the world is cyclical anyways. You know, he got a, he got handed essentially Bush's economy and Bush got handed Clinton's economy and Clinton got handed the other Bush's economy. And, you know, it, it's those things are, are cyclical in their own way. But I wasn't like super proud that Obama was our president. I was thankful that our country had got to a place to where we didn't not elect him just because he was black. You know what I mean? I was, I was grateful for that. And I was very proud in the fact that, like I said earlier, he was, he was cool. He was even, you never saw him go too high or too low. I, I enjoyed that about him. And then, you know, the current president, it just, I can't, I didn't vote for the man. I can't wrap my head around, uh, a lot of the things that he does. So I'm not, I'm not super proud of him as a president. I do feel like though, for him, our current president, it is a, it's a guy who's not a career politician. So I think a lot of the shit that he does, the things that he says, the balls that he has is because he probably really doesn't give a damn if he gets another term. You know what I mean? A lot of these people, they work their whole lives. They start out in small politics and work up to County and, and then to state. And then, you know, they, they go live in Washington for a while. And the goal is to be the president, right. And, and to ride that political train as far as they can, you know, for Donald Trump, I think this was a challenge for him. And now that he's got it, he, he's like the dog chasing the truck. What, what the fuck are you going to do now? That he caught it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, so, uh, Delvin. I'm not proud of that. I'm what not up? proud of, of a dog catching a truck sitting in the white house. Hey, uh, Delvin, do you mind if I hop in real quick? I wanted to address some of the things that Curtis said and ask him a question. Be my guest. Cool. Uh, so for, for starters, I want to say that I like the fact that Curtis can hop on here with four black guys and be like, yeah, you know, I, I thought Barack Obama was going to be really shitty. <laughs> that takes a lot of balls. I appreciate yeah. that. But um, I also want to say, too, that um, my my level of pride with Barack Obama being elected does not overshadow the fact that by and large, I felt like he was a, I'd say maybe like a B minus C plus president. Like okay. I didn't like, I, I thought he was good, not great. I think a lot of people were enamored with him because he has a silver tongue. He was a young guy. He was a great speaker. He was able to uh, really hold the crowd, but um uh, I I do ultimately look back on his presidency and I think like there was a lot of potential there that we didn't meet. I think that was a combination of maybe like a percentage of who he was, but also a percentage of like also like what Curtis mentioned earlier about the the power of the Senate. Uh, so I think that he was uh, his hands were tied in a lot of ways, but um, I thought that he could have done a lot more during his presidency. So my pride in his election does not uh, that that does not reflect my overall feelings on his two terms. But um, my question to Curtis was he was saying that 
prior to Obama getting elected, he felt like, you know, he was going to be really shitty and he was watching Fox News at the time. And I'm curious to find out or to know what where where the shift came for you uh, watching Fox News and being, you know, like, hey, I don't think Obama's going to be all that great. And now you kind of sound like you're not as much of a Fox News guy and you're not a big Trump guy. And I'm wondering, like, has there been a dramatic shift in how you were in 2007 versus how you are in 2019? And if so, how'd you get to that point? I mean, I could tell you exactly when I decided that Fox News was something that I didn't need to get my news from anymore. It's when Hannity and Combs became Hannity. That, that to me was Fox News going, you know what? Anything that's that's on this network that's even remotely left, we're having nothing to do with it. This is going to be a right-wing network, and we're going to be a, a, a right-wing network. And I didn't I didn't like that. I don't so, – so, yeah, I'm not a big Fox News guy. I'm not a big MSNBC guy either. You know, I'm not a big news guy in general, particularly anything that's broadcast on cable because, to me, it's not news anymore. It, it's some sort of weird – news-based entertainment and edit, editorialized news. And I don't I don't need that. I need you to tell me what happened and let me make up my mind. Uh, oh, man, that's so true. I'm so with you on that one. And it, it's something that I was going to mention about a minute ago. You know, it, it, I disagree with you on, on the, something that you, you said earlier about how you feel like Trump is the, the – he is what this country is. I disagree with that. I believe what you're seeing right now, based on what I just said, being as how the news networks and the media that that we see on a regular basis, you know, even starting to get to the point to where social media is is very difficult to to use as some as a place to to pick up on what's going on with the country. Um, I think they're the squeaky wheels that that's 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 getting the grease. I believe there's people out there that are outlandish, and I believe that in any society you're going to have the outliers. But I don't I don't personally believe that this country is what what Trump is. Okay. And are there those facets of this country? Sure, there's radicals in every in every subsect of society that you want to look at. But I don't believe that's the overwhelming majority of our country. I believe the overwhelming majority of our country is people that just are just like the folks that are sitting right here on this podcast right now. You know, they want to go to work, they want to provide for their families, and they would like to see this country get better day by day. It's the ones that are that they've got the time and, and the, the fortitude inside of them to get on a video and go out in public and yell racial epithets at people just to, to get a rise out of folks. Well, that's what's going to make it on the news. This podcast right here, chances are all seven of us or eight of us are not going to be sitting on MSNBC anytime soon having this conversation because this isn't what the media wants to put out there. This isn't going to bring in advertisers. This isn't going to bring in any kind of views to their program because it's a reasonable conversation. They need something that's going to grab headlines and this just isn't it. Unfortunately, it should be the thing that is. I like that answer. Well yeah, said. That, well said. Well said. Yeah, that's that's fair. And, and I wish I wish I shared your optimism, but uh my 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 opinion is based off of what I've seen and observed combined with the fact that I don't really like like you mentioned about you, you said you don't like Fox News and you also don't like NBC. MSNBC, sorry. Um I I listen to NPR. Like that's that's mainly my prime news source. And any news I get from social media is strictly articles, not really uh, from any publication that leans one way or the other. But I think that I'm, I, I just look at it from my experience. Right. And from my experience, I look at 
the behavior that I saw in this country, whether that be on TV or in my personal life versus what I see now and my my gut feeling prior to 2008 was something entirely different than what I see and feel right now. Like prior to 2008, I was a very uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know what the word is to describe who what I was like, but I was very kind of like you know i think black people should stop putting all of their uh all of their concerns and all of the things that they've dealt with on white people like it's not all white people's fault like get your shit together and i do still to a degree think that's the case but i also feel like i was naive at that time like i look at what i see right now and i think that the things that were going on back then were probably always the case it was just a lot more veiled than it is right now and now the veil the veil was thin while Obama was president. And now the veil has gone. And you very well may be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't think any of us will ever truly know what the actual pulse of this country is. But just from my perspective and from what I've observed and from the things that I've heard and seen, that's just how I feel. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very uh, staunchly opposed to that's my opinion deal with it if, if we end up talking about that later in this podcast be prepared to hear a lot of shit from me man i i fucking hate people saying that's my opinion and we should be allowed to have opinions man don't get me started like if we if we want to talk about opinions I, i'll go all the way in but for right now um yeah like i said that's just that's just kind of what i've observed but it's not based on any any uh left or right leaning news source it's just based off of what i've seen and observed versus right now versus what i saw you know 20 years ago I, um if i can say something um you can't I, sorry I, <laughs> when, um, the michael and curtis thank podcast you. thanks Devin. No, when, you know derek spoke i've been looking for a new podcast uh partner I so, like, uh, you guys are great together yeah the what yeah, up podcast can be me and curtis man <laughs> um <laughs> They threw me off trying to replace me on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, DM, you know, I'm DMing Curtis an application right now. Uh, I, you know, going back, you know, kind of what Derek was saying about him, the disgust he had with, you know, how Trump dealt with the the things that were happening in Charlottesville, you know, to to not totally condemn them for the things they were doing were very telling. Like, I mean, they were doing some fucked up shit. And so for him to not, you know, you try to play, you know, it's good people on both sides and shit like that when they were straight terrorizing the city, you know, with the things that they were doing and to totally go off on protesting football players, you know what I mean? Like you kind of see what side he's on and it's and it's telling. He don't have to say it, you know. I think that was one of the big, you know, biggest things to me is that, you know, he can you know, not condemn any any of the people from Charlottesville, but he had so many opinions on Kaepernick and protesting and things of that nature. And you just kind of knew what side what side of the line he, he he was on, and it was just so evident. Definitely. Let's hear a little bit from Terry right now, because we've been going for a minute. I want to hear more of her opinions on everything. Well, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, first of all, I married my husband for a reason. You know, um, when I was younger, I grew up in a household that was very staunchly conservative, um, far, far, far right, um, 
just about as far right as you can get. And I listened um, to hour long conversations between my dad and, and my grandmother about politics. Um, so I grew up kind of with that same line of thinking. I mean, it's all I knew. It's all that I had been taught. And then um, as I got older and, and Curtis and I kind of evolved, you, you start to see that, okay, yeah, some of this stuff is, is a little wild, right? And I've kind of um, come to a point now where I'm still very fiscally conservative and I'm, I'm excited about some of the things where jobs are concerned and where the economy is concerned. But as far as his personality and the way he um, attempts to lead the country, I, I don't have time for it. I, I avoid all news and media outlets um, as much as possible. If I could say one thing that I'm somewhat proud of that has happened since um, he took office, it would probably be the uh, the Me Too movement. I think his behavior kind of helped other women decide that, you know what, it's time for us to stand up against people that act like this. So that's about the only thing that I could pin at his feet for being good. Uh, that I've seen so far. And, and what's crazy is this is a guy who was talking about he grabbed yeah, women, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> the women wait until after he's elected to start a movement. Right. You should have had this shit going when that video came out, you know? I'm just like, this motherfucker shouldn't even be in office. You know, yeah. and he's up there and the shit he said, and then you have women that's like, but yeah, you know, I think he's 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 okay, you know? Seriously? <laughs> but then you're mad at all these other grabbing that pussy. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just I'm just amazed that all the shit all the other people that came you know after that, you know, people were like upset and mad, put them in jail. And this guy, they're like, you know, four more years. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. You know, <laughs> I just okay, all right, you know, but just remember this shit in next year when it's election time again. That's what I tell these women. Okay, good, you started it. But remember this, you know, him grabbing women in the pussies, you know, next year, you know, cut this bullshit out. Sorry, my camera's moving again. Sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, he was I, done after that. No, no. Because see, he, he, I think people were looking for someone different in a Republican Party because they had gotten their ass waxed by Barack Obama two, two, you know, two terms in a row. And they needed somebody outlandish to step in and speak for them. And right. that's what they got with him. But they didn't realize they was going to get a whole bunch of other shit with him <laughs> as well. You I know, agree. I believe I think he rode that train of here's what, here's what the country wants. We want, we want the every, the every man, right? Yeah. We, we want the, the blue collar guy, the, the every man, we want the guy that's in there. That's not a career politician. That's, that's, it's all the things that we are. And it's like, well, yeah, you got it. Now what? Yeah. But, yep. but you know what's funny about that? He is nothing that we, we are. <laughs> he is a millionaire. None of us here are millionaires. He's it's a millionaire, no doubt. Think for yourself, man. I'm doing all right. <laughs> he's a millionaire. He lives a lifestyle that none of us, you know, I assume never happened. And hopefully all of us someday will. But I do believe he's just a regular guy. Okay? Because if for some reason somebody was to get fired behind me and, and I somehow another got into a position where people were trying to put me in an elected position, they go listen to my podcast. They're going to find a whole lot of shit more atrocious than grab her by the pussy. 
You know what I mean? Because I'm a regular dude and I say outlandish shit. You know, so for him to have a thing that got caught, right, makes you think, well, there's probably a whole lot of other crazy shit he said and done, particularly being a businessman in New York. You don't you don't be one of the 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 best businessmen in New York and not have pissed off half the city. You know what I mean? So that dude's probably got a whole he's got multiple closets of skeletons, and we just found out about one of them. Yeah, yeah. well, well we I, I wouldn't say uh, best businessman in New York because uh, the New York housing, somebody up in New York is on his ass. They about to <laughs> go deep down in his shit, you know, so I, I don't think he's he's in that top 10 of best businessmen in New York. I think he's probably the top 10 shadiest businessman in New York because he's done some a whole lot of shady shit. And what's crazy is like 25, 30 years ago, this guy said, you know, if he was going to run for president, he would run as a Republican because the Republican Party, everybody who's affiliated or uh, follows the Republican Party, they're very stupid. And they would just elect him because of the shit that he would do. And he said he could stand out there on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and people probably wouldn't even give a damn. You know, and that's exactly where we are today. Exactly where we are. How many people is he shot? No, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean just the the outlandish things that he's done. I mean, you just look at the shit he's doing with Putin. Putin's got some video on this dude. Uh, I'm I'm too inclined to believe that. Is he's kissing Putin's ass a little too much, you know, to to just be like your whole security team is telling you one thing and you're gonna go, well, you know, Putin said he didn't do it, you know, so. I got to go with this guy. You know, nah, motherfucker. He got something on your ass. He got some that, video. That Russian, that Russian P video is real, bro. Yeah, man. I'm telling you. He, he got something. And that shit is good. Well, let's hear your thoughts on everything, Aaron, because I want to hear what you got to say. Man. Uh, all right. So I didn't, I didn't get big into politics until probably when Obama got elected. And the only reason was is because I think Michael said, Two white boys on here got to have balls. Come on here with three black guys, four black guys. Where are we at? One, two, three, four. Got four of them. All right. Anyways, for us to say that we hated Obama, um, I'm not going to go as far as say I hated Obama. I mean, I didn't know the man. I'm not going to hate him because of his skin. I didn't. I disliked his views because at the time I would consider myself as a, as a Republican, uh, not a Democrat. Um, and really, at, at that point in my life, all it was – about was um, my guns. You ain't taking my guns. And I was afraid they were going to come in and take my guns. And then Hillary comes in there talk about how she's going to take guns. You ain't taking my guns. Uh, I do a lot of hunting. If you look over here, I got my deer heads on the wall over there. Um, but my thing is, did I hate Obama? No. Do I hate Trump? No. Uh, do I like either one of them? Did I like either one of them just like excessively? No. I mean, I just... They both did things that I liked. They both do things that I didn't like. Um, for you to, not you, it, for anybody to say that that Trump's a racist, I don't, I mean, where's the where's the proof on that? Well, I mean, what do you see him directly do that says he's a racist? Now, like Curtis was saying earlier about um, Fox News, how it, be, how it was so far left. Okay, yeah, it probably is, but CNN, CNN is the same thing. It's on the far right. So if you're getting your news from CNN, your mind is skewed that way, you know? Um, I'm sorry, I got that completely backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
I'm you sorry. It up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got. I've, I've had a few of these drinks. Um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I got it backwards. Anyways, my thing is, is um, you can't you can't listen to a, a far left or far right news and go strictly from that. Um, uh, I'm just going through this real quick. I'm trying to remember things that people said. Like uh, I think it was Michael saying um, something about just how proud. Was it was it Michael was saying how, how proud that Trump supporters are about wearing the MAGA hats or the MAGA shirts or whatever? Um, I think that was me. I think maybe. Uh, okay, it was. Well, I mean, all I'm saying is, you watch one new new source or the other, and it's going to show you one side or the other. It's, they're going to they're going to edit that video to make it look however they want. And most of the time, if I'm on Facebook or wherever I see my video at, um, most of the time the only clip that I see is a black man walking up to a white guy with a MAGA hat on, ripping it off his head. For what? For what? I mean, just because I'm not saying I'm going to wear a MAGA hat, but if I did, I'm not racist. I don't. I mean, I got nothing. I work with. I work directly with. Uh, I, I mean, I'm in a small branch of our company. I work directly with five black men, and then my head branch manager of the office is a black man. So, I mean. I'm saying that, that that doesn't say that I'm racist or not. I'm just saying I got nothing. I got nothing against black people. But if I was to wear a MAGA hat, that doesn't mean that I'm a racist, right? I think it's it's hard to touch that subject because the it's it's weird because the hat kind of personifies not saying that you're a racist or not, but when you that, see the stories of people in MAGA hats calling black people the N word, okay, or see yeah. situations like now, like I, I agree with the fact that. Certain news sites play things a certain way. Certain things play certain things another way. But when you keep hearing these stories about people in these hats doing terrible acts and things like that, it makes you think one way. Okay. And not not to say that everybody who wears a hat is obviously racist. At the end of the day, it's just a fucking hat. Give it a shot. Or it's or it's just saying, "Hey, I support my president." I support President. I like Trump. I support him, so I'm going to wear this hat to support him. It doesn't mean I'm wearing this hat to say "fuck you" because you're black. I mean that, that that to me. I mean that's just crazy, crazy talk. I mean, yeah, well, but yeah, go. I'll let you go, Mike. Oh, I was going to say, well, um, racism extends beyond black people, so I don't necessarily think that wearing a MAGA hat means you hate black people, okay. but uh, wearing a MAGA hat says that you support Trump. I think we can all agree on that, right? True. So, yeah. Um, if, exactly. you, if, if you support Trump, you're supporting a guy who has customarily disparaged women, Mexicans, gays, Muslims, like a whole group, several groups of people. And he, you know, he said, what has he done to be racist? And I, I you know, you can be racist without going on camera and saying the n-word and and saying you know i hate black people there's a lot of things that you can do and say that maybe not necessarily are overtly racist but imply a prejudice and a lot of the things that he does and says imply prejudice toward minorities not necessarily just black people like we could talk even down to just women like it's it no, I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I, so, so I, when you wear I, I that hat, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so, so when, when you wear that hat, it implies that you support somebody who uh, openly disparages 
multiple groups of minorities. So does wearing like I, I think saying it's just a hat trivializes what that really means because it's not just I support Trump. It's it, well, it kind of is I support Trump, but what does Trump support? Trump's a guy who gets on TV and makes fun of disabled people. Trump's a guy who gets on TV and uh, disrespects women who are reporters who are asking him questions. Trump's a guy who uh, <laughs> pees on women in Russian hotel rooms. Hey, but hey, that's but that's that's but that's not that's that's there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, get off how you get off, whatever. But um, but this is a guy who does a lot of a lot of things and does a lot of says a lot of things that disparage various groups of minorities. So, and then every time you see somebody wearing that hat, it's never just like, oh, hey, I'm just wearing this MAGA hat and I'm just going to the grocery store and I'm chilling. It's like, you'll see, whenever you see people being crazy and and saying racist things or, or doing things that are uh, damaging to a group, they'll be shouting MAGA like that's some sort of like, like that's the flag for hatred. <laughs> so I, I think it's trivializing the hat to say it's just a hat. It embodies a negative mindset. Okay, I can see your I can see your side, but I'm telling you that me personally, and I probably could name a few of people that I know that I could not go into. I'm never going to buy a mega hat, but if I did, I could put it on and see you in public and come up and give you a hug. I'm not going to be out there shouting mega because. All to me, like I said, it's just a hat, man. If you support your president, which if you don't support your president, in my mind, I mean, where are you going as a country if you can't support your president? Well, if you want him to fail, how successful is that? Come on now. Do, do can you even imagine how healing it would be for this country for people in MAGA hats to be out there hugging people though? Like that would be <laughs> awesome, and that, I, I, that would be amazing. I I have seen no parts of that. No, like, I would love to see something like that. Hey, maybe I'll try that. See, I see how it goes for me. If I if Please, I get don't, my don't. if I get my ass kicked, I'll come on your show. Please, you, you run up on somebody with that hat on and your arms extended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might, it oh, might go wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Post, I'll post my pictures online. I'll post on y'all's Instagrams and all that. <laughs> I'd love wow. to see it though. Yeah. No, I Let mean, me... go ahead. I would like to see you wearing a mega hat, but wearing it backwards. Won't you do that? There you go. I mean, <laughs> no, like again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not fixing to go out and buy a MAGA hat. So, um, again, but like I said, back to the, it was a, it was a, when I first got into politics, it was about a Republican or Democrat or left or right. And now it's just like, you know what, who's a better person? Who's going to do better for the country? Um, did I think Hillary was going to do better than Trump? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, Oh, what I went, what I meant to start off with is, y'all can hate on me if you want, but I've never voted in my life ever. So, I don't hate you for that. I don't have a problem. It's with that a at choice. All. It's a choice. It's a choice. Um, I hate my, your guts. My, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, my thing that is, makes two of us, Michael. <laughs> and he's got to work with me every week. So, oh, um, no, my thing is, is um, I understand that my votes minimal but like i said i don't i don't dig deep enough into it to you know i mean i, I don't 
I don't. I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. But I just, believe this last election and the ones coming up, voting is going to matter. And it's the way I voted in the last one. I didn't vote for either one of the two primary candidates. I voted for Gary Johnson because I believe that is a huge issue in this country. Is we have two parties, and what we've had for a lot of the, the recent elections is people feel like, and I believe it was said on your podcast several times, Delvin, is you end up having to choose between the lesser of two evils. And that's yeah. just a bad spot to be. Yeah. When you're, when you're sitting there and you're in your two options are Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're fucked either way. Right. I mean, you're, you're looking, you're staring down the barrel of, and I, and I hate being an American and having to go, well, which one of these two people do I hate the least? You know, it, it, we need to get away from this, this i think the div- the divisiveness in this country is is that it's it's this team mentality that everybody's on i'm on team blue or i'm on team red or i'm on team white or i'm on team black or i'm on team brown or you know i'm on team cowboys or i'm on team you know whoever whatever it is everybody's got this huge team mentality rather than you know they they just want their their group to win and it's it's not about that. It's about what's best for the entire country. You know, that's what our founding fathers set up was we have to make sure that the leadership is in place so that everybody in this country is taken care of. Obviously, they had a gigantic fucking oversight for a while, but the the overwhelming majority of the, the mindset was is we want this country to be a place where everybody can succeed. It, it's not going to it shouldn't be a well these certain people are going to succeed for X amount of years. And this other group is going to succeed for X amount of years. And then it's going to be this teeter totter back and forth bullshit. It needs to be a push forward unifiedly. And that it's not happened in our country for a long time. Okay. This has been a great discussion to say the least. I wanted to ask one more question in terms of, because we've been going almost two hours now, but and there's so many There's so many topics that I want to I, I can touch on, but we we'll be going all night if we do that. So I'll let you guys come up with something on top of y'all here's what y'all want each one give us what you think of this country today and this conversation. I, I had two questions that I wanted to ask of uh Aaron and Curtis. Um be my guest. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, um, so, uh, my question for both y'all both from Texas, right? Yeah. How did y'all feel about the uh, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz uh, election? That's a good question. Let me go first, Curtis. You got way more knowledge on politics than I do. Let me just tell you that I only heard a couple few things on the news about Beto O'Rourke. My next door neighbor over here got a Beto sign. Beta, Beta sign over in his yard and i'm thinking come on gene damn it gene what you got to be the sign for but my thing is <laughs> all i saw on the news about beto was he went to a uh, veteran of foreign war bar to do a rally or whatever he was doing and he asked him to take the american flags down what was the point of that i mean are these if you're if you're uh, i don't know that's interesting did y'all hear that in the news? I, I didn't hear that story, but I, I want to touch on that in a minute. Let's hear Curtis first before we touch on that. Um, I felt okay. Listen, I'm not exactly a Ted Cruz guy. 
All right. Seems like a dick. Ted Cruz seems like a dick. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. Well, that's what I'm saying. I didn't say I didn't say I like Ted Cruz. I'm just yeah. saying all I heard was negative about Bader. Yeah. Yeah, that I was the thing. It, it, I work the industry that I work in, there is a overwhelming majority of Hispanics that 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 I work with. Like 90% of our company 95. is is Hispanic workers. Um and when those guys when I would have conversations with them and they and they tell me that that guy does not represent what they want in this state, and I, I, I listen to those guys. They're like, this dude is saying all the things that should get him votes from, you know, the Hispanic community and, you know, the, the left, if you, if you want to look at it that way. He's like, but the, the overwhelming majority of them are like, that dude's a fucking snake in the grass is what he is. So it gave me an icky feeling about him. I didn't trust the guy. He felt way too slick. And I don't care for that super polished politician thing. I want somebody to be real. I don't necessarily need the extreme of I want, you know, Joe that is a farmer to be a politician. I would like to, for a guy to be educated and know what he's speaking on. But I don't want to feel like I'm being told what I want to hear. And I, I think that makes sense to you here, Devin, because I felt like that's what you got on your very first episode. I, I don't want people to just feed me what they think I want to hear. I you don't want, want a car salesman. Truth. Exactly. I, I don't want a car salesman. I want somebody that has a firm belief in what they're talking about and passionately on it rather than speaking college on a thing that they feel like is going to get them votes. That That's where my, my thing with Beto and, and – uh, and Cruz was. That's that's who I wanted to ask because I just want to get the perspective of a Texan about him because like I feel like he's more than likely going to end up involved in this next presidential election in one way or the other. So I just wanted to get the perspective of someone who's a little bit closer to it than I am. Yeah, yeah, more think, and more purple state every year. I think this next presidential election is going to be very interesting because a lot of people are chomping at the bits. Because they think it's going to be an easy win. They think that people are so disenfranchised with Trump that they have a really good chance of winning. I don't think that's going to be the case at all, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I don't think for him to get another term. I don't think Trump is going to be uh, – I think shit's going to hit the fan for him, and he's not, he's not going to be eligible to run. Uh, I really think that between this Mueller investigation, the thing that's going on in New York, I think it's going to hit the fan with him before he has a chance to, you know, to throw his hat back in the ring again for another turn. At least God, that's what I'm praying for. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting 2020 because it's a lot of people running. And it's like, like you said earlier, with the whole Mueller investigation, there's no telling what can happen. So what are y'all thoughts on that before, before we go into somebody, something else? Okay, I'll go first. With this Mueller investigation and all the people around Trump who pled guilty, who flipped, who were going to jail, you can't tell me that the guy in the middle of all of that is completely clean. There's mm. no way in hell. There's no way. He did some dirt. I think the, the nail in the coffin for him was uh, Cohen. His lawyer was a fixer. So he had his lawyer out there doing all kinds of stuff. He, the thing with him paying off Stormy Daniels, that $130,000, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I really think there's more stuff that hasn't come out yet that's going to seriously nail this guy to the coffin. 
to the cross. I, I really do. I, and I hope that, you know, he – I hope he goes to prison for all the scandalous crap that he's done. And that's that's my take. Okay. I had a I guess you, second you, question. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I had a second question for Aaron and Curtis. Oh, Oh. I feel like I'm taking over the podcast. I'm really trying not hey, to, but this is what this I, is I, for, brother. I yeah, why, is, why are you drilling our Texas down here? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 partially because y'all are Texas, though. But yeah. um, Aaron said something that I wanted to ask about. He said that he felt like uh, Obama was going to take away his guns. Um, I kind of I don't want to go too deep into the uh, to the gun debate, but I'm curious about why you feel that way. That's a whole like, other podcast from my. Have. We definitely gonna have it that is. podcast, by the way. <laughs> it is, it is. But um, from my perspective, I look at all the school shootings, and I feel like um, Democrats just want to limit who can buy guns, right? And I don't think that um, any kind of legislation that Democrats would enact would inhibit Aaron's ability to buy his guns and put his deers on his wall. So, like, I'm curious to why Aaron feels that way, because that's because I don't think that like I don't look at it like, oh, Aaron's not going to be able to buy guns anymore. I look at it as all these folks who have uh, been able to buy guns that probably shouldn't have been able to that clearly have mental problems will probably have. I don't even think we completely be, be able to eliminate that, but I think it'll be a lot harder for people who just aren't on the up and up to be able to buy guns. So I'm curious to why Aaron feels like he would lose his right. He, he would lose his guns. Like that's something I've always been curious about is why people feel like, Oh, they want my guns. They want my guns. And from my perspective, I always thought it was just like, Hey, we want to limit the ability of crazy motherfuckers to get guns and shoot up schools and shit like that, or Las Vegas yeah. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll say this. Um, well, what I, what I was saying, what I said was, is, I was just getting into politics, and that's what I heard from the Democrats was they were going to come take our guns. Now, I understand now that, like Curtis said earlier, um, it takes the president doesn't have that power. You got the Senate, you got the House. It's got to be voted on. Now, um, like you said, um, I'll agree with you as far as I don't mind background checks. Check me. I got nothing on me. You, I, mean, I got no dirt. Now you got. You got mental illness people that are going there buying guns. And, and when I go in and buy a gun right now in Texas, all they do is they run my driver's license to see if I have a felony. If I don't have a felony, they'll sell me the gun. Okay? So you've got these guys that come in there with mental illness that they're crazy as, they're, they're crazy as shit. They're on all kind of meds to keep them level. And all they do is run their driver's license. If they don't have a felony – they can get a gun because in that background check, it doesn't show that they're on all kinds of medicines to keep them level. If they're not on these meds, they're batshit crazy, um, very aggressive people. You know, um, now now I see that, and I'm not, I'm not against um, like Strict the gun laws. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, dig dig deep, dig deep. Don't sell me a gun if I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> well, how how are you going to do that though? When I could have a mental issue. And my doctor's in Virginia, and I go to Georgia to buy a gun. If you don't have like a national database, I guess that's the answer to the question I'm about to ask. Like, how do you how do you build a system that it's a national thing where everybody has to do when they go in to buy a gun, and you're going to do a, a background check? 
Like, what kind of system do you put in place that runs everybody's name through this big national database to say, oh, you know what? You came up with a red flag. You were, you know, a little nutty at your last job. You went back up there and you threatened Marcy in accounting and can't sell your gun. You know, like, how do yeah. you what? That's the next step, I think, that yeah. we need to, to put in place. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. It's, it's going to take it's going to take um, um, wider searches than what we have now i mean they don't they don't have a database for all that but what i'm saying is um shit you said something and I, was, I had something in my mind i forgot it um I don't know. Here, why are you thinking about that i just yeah, want yeah. to add like, the, the gun conversation and i've i've heard that conversation <laughs> of a lot of, of people who are really you know, uh, I, I want to say I don't want to say gun fans, but I'm a gun fan. I just don't have any. Um, but I'm not against them. But I've always thought that regulation for guns should be a lot more. I mean, I have a friend, one a, a good friend, um, uh, and he's black, and he has tons of guns. And he's he said the same things about not wanting the the current administrations or whatever or the, the past administration taking his guns and my, my question has always been if you're saying what is your worry like the the the, the regulations and things that probably that, that people wanted to make would, would not even concern you so why would you be so worried about it if if it was to you know check for more people that were say mentally ill or you know not in a situation where they should you know carry or own guns and so forth it seemed like a lot of people who were worried about it Either were either they seem to, to be, I guess, level headed people that it wouldn't even affect them, or maybe they were just disguised that maybe they were really the crazy people. Well, my thing is, is the Second Amendment that was made said, shall not be infringed. Um, now you've got the politicians coming in there saying they're going to limit our magazine capacity. So if I have an AR 15, I can't have a magazine that'll hold 30 rounds. Okay. Um, that's infringing on one of my Second Amendment rights, right there. No, they didn't. They didn't say, "Oh, you can have an AR-15 as long as it only holds five bullets instead of thirty. You know, I mean, um, I can tell you that if I was a crazy man and I wanted to go in there and shoot a school, I can take an AR-15 in there with three or four thirty-round mags, completely loaded, or I can take a nine millimeter in there with eight to ten fully round, fully loaded mags. And shoot the same amount of bullets, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, you're just... making a lot of arguments of why it should be more regulation on all fronts. Then <laughs> the primary reason, the, the thing that people freak out that are that are gun people, and I'm, I mean, I own guns, have owned guns, currently own them, and I'm a very strong supporter of the Second Amendment. The reason that people get freaked out when you start talking about heavier and heavier gun control is because of the honest people having a harder time getting a gun where dishonest people are not. You get super easy to walk on any block in just about any fucking neighborhood in any fucking town and probably buy a pistol or a rifle or just about any gun you want and never have to go through any kind of a background check whatsoever. I but have a pistol. If you want to do it the right way and you want to go into a store and have your gun registered and all the things that you're supposed to do, if that gets harder then what you're doing is, is you're making people make a choice of, do I want to do this the quote unquote right way? Or do I want to do this the way that I got a lot less bullshit to deal with? Cause there's a lot of States that are putting in policies where you have to have handgun license 
You have to have courses that you take to learn how to properly use a handgun. I mean, there's a lot of steps that can be, there's a lot of barricades that can be put in, in place to prevent you from getting a gun in an honest manner where there's none of that, where those who may choose to harm you don't have to jump through those hurdles. Well, yeah, here in Michigan, you have to, you know, take tests as far as so potentially be a quote unquote criminal. Oh, you start, you have to take those same tests here in Texas to carry legally. Um, but concealed carry, concealed carry, concealed right. carry yeah. Well, no, we have that. We have the open carry law also. So if you take a concealed carry, that covers your open carry also. So you can you can openly carry with it's visible for everybody to see. Um, but the only regulations we have is um, you have to have the the three zero point zero six sign hanging on the outside of your door saying that that concealed or open carry guns are not allowed in our establishment, and then that's the only reason you can't take them inside. I mean, so I guess gun. I mean, I don't know what proposed gun regulations they are. They have been. I don't know the, the details of it, but I mean, but would I be, you know, somewhat okay saying that it would inconvenience gun owners just a little bit, but not totally much? Like you can't have the big, big uh, ammo, just a little one. But you know what I'm saying. But it, but with your, is your inconvenience too so much that it's 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 detrimental to the point where other people that shouldn't have guns shouldn't. So if it stops the people that shouldn't have guns for the most part, have it, is that inconvenience too much for you, the gun owner? It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of you have to determine who is and who, who should and shouldn't have a gun. Hang on, Curtis. Hang on. Right quick. I have a 45 caliber pistol for sale right now that I will sell to any person that walks up to me with $500 first. All right, I can't do a background check on them. I don't care. I want $500. You come up with me $500, you got my pistol. I go to a store and I buy a pistol and I get tired of it and I don't want it anymore. How do I get rid of that gun? I put it up for sale. First person comes up with $500, gets it. I don't care what you look like, what your nationality is. If you're crazy, I don't know anything about you. You give me $500, that's what's still going to happen. I mean, I can appreciate your non-prejudice to to human beings, but don't you think that's a flawed system, though? Oh, it's very flawed. It's okay. very so, so what? What? What happens to all the guns that people don't want anymore? The buy? Just don't think, take them. No, no, no. I think you take them. I don't know. I guess sell them to a gun store, a pawn store. Okay. You know, well, point, was, I guess make <laughs> a stricter gun law. That right there, what I'm doing is still going to happen. So people yeah. that don't need guns are still going to have them. I mean, you. you I mean, said I always I a loophole. There's no. There's no. You're Perfect. not going to solve every gun issue with one rule, like you know what I mean. So that's 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 kind of unfair to say that you know. Well, well it's you already it's already run. illegal. It's illegal for me to do what I just said. Okay. It's already illegal here in Texas for us to do that. But really, who, thank who, God, who, shit. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you see how that's working out, right? I mean, it still happens. That's what he's Aaron said. Yeah. So I mean, what people, is people the that want, people that want guns and want to do fuck shit is gonna do fuck shit no matter what. There's probably yeah. so many undocumented guns on the streets and things of that nature. So did, that's gonna happen. But you gotta have some starting point of trying to at least put some, some forth effort into eliminating, you know, who who can and could not have a gun. I mean, that has to be something starting. That did, that's the issue, man. That that's the issue, Derek, is is now all of a sudden you are having to draw hard I'm, no, yeah, I'm sorry, that was Otis. I apologize. Um, you you have to make a law that's worded in a way that is interpretable in a courtroom 
that tells who and who is not able to have a gun? Who do you trust? What are the qualifying factors for that? That gets very, very hard to do. So that's yep. where people start to get concerned is that it's going to get to a point to where they draw a hard line too far to where you, you worry about this incremental inch towards to where you just don't have guns allowed, period. And that's where the pushback is. And that, and I believe that's what's great about our country is you can have a group of people that say, hey, here's what we think. And another group can say, no, we disagree with that. And then you can have a debate and, and hopefully find a middle ground. But if you if you end up with this with, with some sort of a sweeping law that inhibits people that don't have any ill intent with weapons, you're, you're creating a, a situation there where you can't define it. You know what I mean? Because you and I and everybody else on this podcast wants protection of our privacy, right? You don't want a gun store owner to be able to dig into your medical history and find out whether or not seven years ago you had a, a little bit of a breakdown and you needed some help to get back to, to get your mind right. Well, your mind might be right now, but what if that thing seven years ago prevents you from being able to buy a weapon? You see what I'm saying? So that that's, it becomes a very, a very muddied waters that you feel like the way our government runs, they're going to come through with a sweeping legislation that fucks everybody equally. I mean, they're still digging into it. Like for, in Michigan, for say, like I applied for my carrying permit and um, I got denied because I had a suspended license three years ago. There you go. A, a driver's license. That's so what I didn't have a gun. You can't keep your driver's somebody. license straight, buddy. No gun for you. <laughs> I just had a suspended license three years ago, and I can't get a a, a, a carrier permit for another five years. If you're not responsible I'm, enough well, to renew your license, you're not responsible. That's right. To that's right, buddy. No, uh, that's, that's a joke. Right. That's a joke. That's a Bow joke. Oh, an arrow for you, okay, buddy? <laughs> The point of that was that there are, I mean, you have laws that are stopping people from, but that, that's not going to stop the person that lives 20 miles from me that says, fuck it, I want a gun, I'm going to go do whatever anyway. So that's stopping a person who's, you know, at least I think I'm sane enough to carry a gun. But well, you know, what state are you in? Michigan. What's, okay. So what's your neighboring state? Because uh, I don't have a map in front of me. Ohio. Sorry. Ohio. Okay, so can you go Ohio. to Ohio and buy a gun? I believe I, I can purchase a gun. I don't have a problem purchasing. Okay, gun. So I, you, can, it, I can't have a carry. Can carry. Oh, I got carry you. A I got you. I got you. I can carry. Okay. I can buy a gun. I can't okay. carry a pistol because of that. Let me go back real quick. Aren't Michael and um, Otis? Did y'all say are from Detroit? Yes. Yeah, correct. Okay. Are you telling me that every gangbanger in Detroit is walking around with a legal weapon right now? Nope. Or would, Hell no. Or would you say that most of them are illegal weapons? They are undoubtedly illegal. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What what gun law is going to keep those gangsters from having those pistols or them weapons? So here here would be my rebuttal. I don't think there's any law that will completely make it so that individuals can't buy guns illegally. But I would rather have the conversation and have this debate that you guys have mentioned about um, the 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 intricacies of gun law i'd rather have that discussion and have it talk about these intricacies and and how difficult it is to define a gun law that makes sure that guns are bought by the right people than to do nothing and i feel like a lot of the people who are uh proponents of of i don't want to say proponents of like not having gun laws but people who are 
opposed to having stricter gun laws feel like there's no in between. Like it's either like, have oh. it or not. Right. And I feel like I'd rather have a difficult discussion about the intricacies of gun law and how we can make it right than just be, than to just be like, well, uh, people people are still going to buy guns illegally, so let's do nothing. Like, I don't think that gets us anywhere, and that keeps getting schools shot up every fucking week. Like, <laughs> that shit's nuts. Like, I, I, I can't... If I, I, I do own a gun, but if I was a, a staunch proponent of guns and I had a shit ton of them, right... I could not sleep at night again as an atheist. <laughs> I could not sleep at night and feel good about the fact that schools are getting shot up and children are dying all the time and we are doing nothing to try to fix it. Nothing. Yeah. And See, I'm not going to sit there and be like, let me, I want to keep my guns or I want to keep my big ass magazines and all this kind of shit. Like I would gladly take a smaller magazine or, or stricter gun laws and be like, okay, instead of having seven guns, I can only have three. I'd rather have three guns than hear about kids getting killed every fucking day. So like I mean, that, I don't, that's how I feel about it. I don't know where Aaron lives, but I'm sure you're not in warfare Texas. like every fucking day. So I mean, it, it's not. I mean, it's, guns are insurance. I mean, let's just put it like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't. I'm assuming you probably use guns for sport or protection, but you know, you're not. You know, living in you know some random foreign country, having to shoot your way out your house every day or whatever. So you know, it's not Texas. to that point. Texas. Is I don't wild. know, man. East Texas is wild, son. It's a wild, wild west out here, man. Aaron's like, man, I'm just trying to go to Chick-fil-A. I got to, like, rush shots and give up the chicken sandwich. Oh, man. Did you pick a wider restaurant to call out? <laughs> I, I don't, am a don't liquor stores, don't liquor stores close Aaron. early as fuck in Texas, too? Is that, like, I feel like I'd want to shoot a motherfucker if liquor stores close early. Yeah, I don't know if that's Texas, is it? Don't yeah, think like don't y'all stop selling liquor 10, at like nine o'clock or some shit. Ten a.m. to nine p.m. So I can buy liquor. What what is a yeah, liquor I, store? I, I want my guns too if I can <laughs> buy liquor after nine. What we is a liquor we store? We have specific liquor stores. We cannot sell liquor in a gas station or in a grocery store. We have a specific store dedicated for liquor stores, and they are right. only open from nine a.m. to ten p.m. Monday through Saturday. You cannot yeah. buy. You cannot buy liquor on Sunday. Never heard that. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. Virginia's yeah, like that. Like, isn't like uh, one of them like Specs or some shit like that? No. Uh, What's the name? This one. I've been, I've been to. I've been to Texas. I was in Houston. There's a. There's a a, a store like a chain store. What's the name of that spot? Uh, we got Total Wine. That's a. That's a. That's a. That's a liquor store. A dedicated liquor store that is about the size of a. Um, like a like a super center Walmart. Yeah, where do y'all where do y'all live in Texas? Yeah, total wild in Miami too. We're about we're we're directly like horizontal from Shreveport, Louisiana, about an hour oh, about wow. an hour west of okay. Louisiana. Okay, I've I've only been well, I've been to Houston, I've been to San Antonio, but when I was in Houston specifically, I remember a spot, and I was visiting a friend of mine. And he was like, "Yeah, we have to go to this spot, and they close it this time." And I was like, "What kind of shit is this, man?" Yeah, like, no he's from Detroit. It's my homeboy. He's from Detroit. And he moved there's there's several different chains in Texas, and Specs is okay. one of them. But okay, so Specs. Like okay, Aaron had me feeling like I was crazy. Like oh, I didn't, no, I've, never, I've, never heard, I've, I've never heard of Specs. So no, nah, Specs. I mean that that's a thing. I mean you got there's one that's called Goody Goody Liquor, and they're branded in several different ways. There's a bunch of different chains out there that are in the state of Texas. But yeah, it's, it, there are just nah, that that state uh man that state regulated right. 
Yeah. Right. You can sell anything in a liquor store, but you can't sell anything in a beer store or a gas station. Like if you're a gas station, if you sell, I believe if 51% of your sales in that store are something other than alcohol, you can't sell liquor in it. So like gas stations sell a lot of gas. They sell chips and cigarettes and all that kind of jazz. But more than 51% of their sales are non-liquor items. So they can't sell liquor in there, but they can sell beer. Hmm. Which is yeah. started. That's Virginia so like that. That's Virginia has this, uh, there, there's a Virginia yeah. has uh, ABC stores that's like that, and you can't buy liquor anywhere but that state controlled store. You can right. go to Total Wine to buy all the damn wine that you want. You can go to Seven Eleven buy all the beer and wine coolers you want, but you ain't getting no Jack Daniels, no tequila, none of that shit, except in one of Virginia's controlled stores where they. Right. Tell you what time you can come in there. What's crazy though is they got shopping carts. So if you want <laughs> to stock means, up, you know they make it handy. Nothing means business. You got a good Otis man. <laughs> well, if you can't bat after ten, I guess you are stocking up. Shit. Yeah. It means business like a grocery like a grocery cart at a liquor store. <laughs> I can leave my house at one thirty and go buy liquor, man. I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was God. quite a detour, uh, Devin. We're sorry. We just like yeah, talking well, about liquor. Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, close it up. Man. Any final thoughts before we go? We've been going for two hours, and this has been awesome. Damn, yo. That's yeah. I would say this. I, I would say this. If if you want to start the conversation about gun control, you need to start with the NRA. And, and I'm not saying – the NRA, to me, is connected to gun manufacturers. And as long as gun manufacturers are going to be making money – they're going to pay the NRA to lobby for them for everything to go in their favor. So if you want to change it, you get some different people in the NRA to start that conversation. Otherwise, you're just going to be doing like we're doing, having a conversation on the podcast that politicians will probably never hear. Okay, well, let me real quick add to that. The NRA used to fight for our rights to infringements on the Second Amendment, but they get away with all that when they decided that bump stocks were illegal. So I am never I'm not a supporter of the NRA anymore and they can go to hell for all I care. Yeah, fuck the NRA. Yeah, fuck the NRA. <laughs> all wait, right, wait, wait. There I we go. Feel, I feel like wait, I feel like y'all y'all's fuck the NRA is on two separate separate mm-hmm. things. Because Otis is fuck the NRA. Otis is fuck the NRA is 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 on a whole like the NRA as a whole. I feel like Aaron's saying fuck the NRA because he wants bump stocks. <laughs> no, so, like, uh, no, two different no, no. things. Let me follow that up with the fact that I would never, ever in my life own a bump stock. It's, it's. Oh, it's, okay. That's it, the, that's the that impression is, I got. That is a dumb, dumb um, accessory to your rifle. I mean, if I wanted to waste thirty rounds of ammunition in about thirty seconds, okay, that's the way to do it. But why would I want to do that? I can't aim. I can't aim like that. Come on now. I think. What Aaron was trying to mean is the option to buy it. Oh, I no, I, mean, I totally get it. I think Mike just misheard him. So I, 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 think, totally I definitely did. He was an I definitely on my second yeah. I, I've had a lot of rum. I definitely misheard. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I, I need some rum or something. I, I mean, we just, I think we'd do a whole topic on NRA, but I think my, and I don't want to keep it long because I know we're trying to end, but, you know, when we had issues like uh, Philando Castile, who was, you know, the school, uh, Dude worked at a school who had a gun and, you know, the police shot him and it was no support. There's been no support from bigger 
gun representations online when it came to blacks that were able to carry guns that were legally. you know that legally that were you know that were shot and killed and so forth. But that's a whole nother episode. Well, we, we're uh, gonna have to come back and do a whole episode on, on gun control because this is. I am definitely down. Let me know. Conversation. Hey, we, yeah. we do that. I got a buddy I want to bring on with me. Um, we'll have to. We'll have to figure out a time that um, me and Curtis and our our third partner in our podcast and then my, my buddy that's real big into guns and the NRA. Um, we'll have him on too. Kelly. Kelly. No. Well, yeah. Kelly's our third partner in the podcast. Uh, yeah. But I have a but I have a buddy that I grew up with my whole life. That's real big into the NRA and real big into guns, and and he'll have a whole lot of knowledge that he needs to bring to it. Okay, we definitely gonna have that conversation. I'm sorry, what's the name of your podcast again, Aaron? And uh, Bearded Idiots Podcast. Bearded Idiots. Bearded Idiots. B E A R D E D. D E D I D. Mike has had all the rum. Okay, I spelled it correctly. Fuck you. You know what? (laughs) Curtis has everything, all of everything that we have. So, okay, they have some wild conversations. Yes, I appreciate. I appreciate Delvin uh, giving us the opportunity to have this conversation about the gun shit because, like, that's not an opportunity that I've ever had to to have the gun conversation. So even though it, this was a, a truncated version of that, I appreciate being able to have the gun conversation for the bit that we did, though, because that's no something doubt. that I've always wanted to get that perspective on. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get some of that perspective. We've well, talked about it briefly on the podcast, but we've never had... I, I want to say opposing view, but uh, uh, other views with it. So, no, it's always great to hear that. So, it's pretty dope. Yeah, and, right and you know, te- Texans are like born with guns, man. That's yeah, just man. like a yeah. baby yeah. shower. That's like a baby shower gift. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, get, yeah. we get born when yeah. we get handed a gun, a pair of boots, a cowboy hat, and some keys to a pickup truck. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I buy a gun just because I got money. I mean, <laughs> I got. I go buy a gun. I don't even need it. And I've owned I've owned multiple guns that I've never even shot. They're just sitting in my gun safe. You just buying them because you can, huh? Like, yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> the government ever comes after me, I got them. <laughs> Some folks spend a whole bunch of money on sneakers. Aaron just stacks up guns at his house. There you go. There you go. Now you know where to come when the shit happens. Everybody yeah, has I'm coming to Texas. When Zombie Land hits, we go into Aaron's house. Delvin, hey. <laughs> what's up? Can I ask you a question? Be my guest. The only reason I say that is because I want to say this right here. You ready? Be my guest. Whatever you're ready. Question number one. (laughs) (laughs) When are you going to have me on your podcast again? We're going to set it up. We definitely got to set it up. I'm down for that real soon, actually. That's a great answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Exactly. Great answer. I like that. I like that. I like that. This has been amazing, guys. This literally turned out better than I expected. I think Great we kinda, conversation. We I thought we were just going to be tossing racial slurs at each other, but then I <laughs> Damn. Hey, you know what? Texas boys are best at it. <laughs> that, is, that is true. I'm just, I, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I just oh. thought that Aaron's going to be sitting there with guns doing this and stuff. Pointing <laughs> at like, Come on, man. Hey, next time you have me with my buddy from the NRA, and I'll have him. I'll be ready. <laughs> oh, man. I have got two good ideas for this podcast. All of this one episode. One is definitely going to be the NRA talk. 
And another one's gonna be just us drunk talking to each other. Hey, I'm always sure, that's down, what man. we do every week. I know we do that every week, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna buy a bottle and I'm gonna get drunk with you guys one night. We're gonna have a conversation on the podcast. We don't start our we don't start our podcast till we're drunk. So I think yeah, I need man, to play a uh, word game or something. Every time somebody says some one particular word, y'all take a drink, man, and see how long that show lasts. That's and a we good do, idea. If we could do that on a Friday night, that would be great. And I'm I'll have to work the next day. <laughs> hey, hey, we'll win. We'll win. <laughs> y'all definitely beat me. <laughs> Wait, on drinking? Yeah, oh, yeah. I killed me oh, on yeah. drinking. On drinking? Did, mm. did Aaron say he would win? Oh, we'll win. On challenge. No. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, listen here, Michael. I can't see you because you don't have your camera on. But by I'll turn little, it on right now and tell you to your face. You can't drink with me. I'll tell you right now. You look like you're about a buck 60. I promise you I can drink more than you. Damn. <laughs> I say challenge. challenge. The garland has been thrown. Come on back with it. Listen, <laughs> listen I'm going to tell you right now. You can't drink with me. We do it. I said we set up a meet and greet at a damn bar in between the two of you and see who stands last. We are going to be me. Here this whole time looking at Michael's profile picture he has up, and I'm thinking, dude, this, this guy just walked out of an AIDS patient clinic, and he's sitting over there right now looking like he's swole up. <laughs> I'm layered up. I'm, I'm sitting, in my, sitting in my garage. I got this heater on. I'm just trying to, trying to stay warm, man. I didn't plan on doing this tonight, but I – I freed up and I was like, "Let me get in the garage." It's it's twenty degrees here in Detroit, so okay. I, like, I gotta ask, why are you in the garage? Because he can smoke. So I can. Oh, smoke. okay. Oh, yeah, you smoking? Right. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. all right. What you smoking? C- what cigars? But do you want? Yeah. To yeah. No, no, no. Like what brand? That's illegal on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. What cigar are you smoking? I'm, I'm smoking a, a a Bishop's Blend by Black Black Label Trade Company. Okay. I'm going to Cuba in a few months, man. I'm thinking about smuggling it. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, possibly having a Cuban in Cuba, and hopefully I don't bring one back into the country. But if I do, reach out to us. You can, bring, you can bring up to $800 as long as you have a receipt. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, okay. Then I'm good then. I'm, I'm actually going, I'm going in two weeks. Illegal ones. Hey, uh, Otis and Michael. Um, let's go ahead and set this up. I challenge y'all two to a drinking contest with the Beardsy Idiots. Oh, oh, we'll do a podcast. We'll do a podcast on Google Hangout and we'll do shot for shot. See who stands. Damn. Damn. Uh Oh, I I want in on this. I want in on this. (laughs) We're down. You don't. I'm like I'm, uh, I'm the Kobe I'm the Kobe Bryant of drinking man. I'm the Jordan. I don't I don't I don't I don't. I can I put it in any sport. Wow. Any sport want. He's the Wayne Gretzky, y'all. I'm the Wayne Gretzky. I'm the Babe Ruth. Hey, I'm the Donald Trump. I'm arrogant I'm, as fuck. I'm ready. I'm starting stretching now and stuff. Oh man, this has got to happen. Uh. All right, man. I was drinking. I tap out. Camera back off, but I, I just want to know, Aaron. I just want Aaron to know what's good. Right. Yeah, man. I'm gonna turn my camera back off, though. All right, All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, Delvin, why don't you actually? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, add our our Twitter uh, uh, names uh, in one tweet or something, so we all know who each each other is. Excuse me. Um, and we go from there. All right, I'll do that. Hey, uh, Delvin, when's this uh, episode coming out? Next week. Be next week. All right. 
next week, Thursday, 9 a.m. I'm going to listen back to uh, remember things that I don't remember right now because I've been drinking too much. <laughs> hey, that's us every podcast. That's- yeah, oh, I know. Man. Man, I think maybe we haven't been drinking as much, so it, we, we, we've been able to remember something. But well, Everybody, <laughs> before we go, everybody give out their Twitter information and their podcast information so they, everybody can know where to find you guys at. I'll go first. I have zero Twitter. Okay. We right, have. Next. We have. No, wait, wait, wait. We have a. Uh, we have a. Um, I'll give out my Instagram. I, um, my personal Instagram is at whiskey vein, whiskey with an e, vein with an e. Um, we also have a um, uh, podcast Instagram. It's Barry um, Idiots Podcast. Uh, check those out. Curtis does our Twitter. Uh, he'll let you know what that is. Okay. Yeah, you you can catch all of our links. If you go to beardedidiots.com, it's all there. But the, the Twitter handles, handle specifically is at underscore bearded idiots. Okay. Oh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, on Twitter, dspin67. And I've been telling Delvin for about a year now that I'm going you know, to be doing a podcast, and it hasn't come to fruition yet, so I don't have a podcast to announce or promote. Um but I can say it was good hanging and speaking with you guys. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Okay, I guess Mike. Mike. Oh, well, I guess I can. Uh, so I can address both me and Otis as far as our podcast. So um, our podcast is What Up Though podcast. Um, I We haven't talked about this yet, but What Up Though is a uh, Detroit colloquialism. Like That's what we say here. Uh, we just say What Up Though is our version of hi. Um, <laughs> it's spelled um we 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 chose a unique spelling because what up though has various spellings that are owned by various other podcasts but it's w u d d o e no. podcast no you're spelling that podcast wrong oh I, wait <laughs> w u d oh i forgot the up yeah w u d u p podcast no D-O-E podcast. God damn it, man. You can't even run my goddamn podcast. I should have turned the camera on. I right turned the camera on and I just, I just yeah, all fucked it. up. That's it. W-U-D-U-P-D-O-E. Jesus Christ. Podcast. I might hit Curtis up for real. Like, fuck. What up, though, podcast? I just subscribed. And I... I am Michael underscore Aaron. That's my Twitter name. And Otis can. Oh, my uh, my Twitter name is uh, Grumpy Otis. O is a zero. So uh, and that's just to keep people from searching my name and shit. Um, But yeah, we have the podcast together. We've been doing it for almost five years in May. Wow. Um, Damn. And we're still not famous. So, you know, that's just how it goes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be millionaires one year, man. <laughs> one year, dude. One year, man. We we are creeping up on 200 episodes. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's been, it's been a minute. Yeah, we uh we started our the first episode was I think it was like in May 2014. It was in my backyard and we did our first 50 episodes not turning on the mic like it was the it was the computer mic that was on we had a mic that we were sharing and we didn't figure that shit out for the first 50 episodes but yeah it's been fun though man it's, it's been real dope so you know uh, we, we we can't you know we meet up every week we meet at my house and we record in person we do one take that's it 
and you know we upload and that's it but you know it's been it's been cool so we were probably the least likely to be able to actually be friends and do podcasts and shit because i didn't know him to probably about maybe eight years ago nine years ago maybe so and hopefully he'll spell our podcast right in the future <laughs> I mean, it's only been five years. But appreciate you, Dove, and uh, bringing us together, man. It's pretty dope, man. Hopefully, we can do it again um, whenever the the time um, comes. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a guarantee. As always, Devil Cock Spirits, we are out. Peace.